chapter number two, and then Colossians chapter number two, just as a launching point, these verses will make more sense as we work through the sermon. Mark chapter number two, Jesus says this, he says, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now, turn to Colossians 2, look at verse number 16. Hopefully, you have maybe your, your finger there and you're, you're ready to go. Colossians 2, verse 16 says this, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So, we're going to talk about the Sabbath a bit this morning. Of course, the Jews still observe the Sabbath to this day. I was recently in Israel, and uh, Friday, it was about 3 o'clock or so on Friday, the shop started to close down. But from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday, uh, really 6 to 6 p.m., there was, there was nothing happening. It was their Sabbath. There would be some denominations, if you maybe have a Seventh-day Adventist background, you would know that there would be some denominations that would say, you know what, that 6 to 6 on Saturday, that sort of stuff is valid, and Christians still need to observe that. But by and large, I've found that most Christians would come to the Sabbath in the Bible, and the Sabbath is mentioned many times in the Bible, and would read it and think, you know what, that was for the Jews, that's not for me, that has no application for me, let's just skip that and keep on moving and and get to something else and just skip over the Sabbath, which really is is detrimental to us. It, It fails to understand the principles of the Sabbath that are still valid for us as New Testament Christians. So we're gonna walk through this morning really what the Sabbath is, the significance for us, and I think we'll glean some really valuable lessons from this topic in the Bible. Well, over the years, uh, the Coca-Cola admin have come up with some great campaigns, but back in 1929, they came up with this slogan for Coca-Cola. They called it, the pause that refreshes. I don't know if any of you, that, that continued for some years. Maybe some of you, no, I don't think any of you would remember that. But that was, that was a, an apt maybe phrase for Coca-Cola, but if there was ever a phrase that would accurately describe what the Sabbath was intended to be, I think that that would be an accurate description. The Sabbath was designed to be, by God, biblically, this pause that refreshes. Sabbath is a weird word, but it just means to cease, to desist, or to rest And biblically, the idea of a Sabbath involves way more than just looking forward to the weekend or just having a good time. It really involves this this idea in Scripture of refreshment, of rest. And I want you to see how this progressively unfolds through Scripture and how this really does apply to you as a 21st century Western Pennsylvanian. I think that you'll find there's there's a lot of of valid input biblically on the Sabbath and what this would mean for your life. So I just want to kind of take you on a tour of the Bible, really, of, of how this unfolds progressively. So you would find first that the Sabbath is mentioned really in creation, and you find that there's creation rest mentioned in the Bible. So Genesis 2, second chapter of the Bible, you find the creation account where God creates heaven and earth and all that in there is. And the Bible says this in Genesis 2, verse 2, that on the seventh day, God ended the work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. You ever think about this? Why would God create for six days and then rest on the seventh day? Was it because God was tired? 
Like, was God just, a, you know, a little tuckered out? You know, he just didn't get enough shut-eye the night before in creation. It just wore him out. It pushed him to the max. So he just said, you know what? I got I to gotta just rest a little bit. I'm really tired from making all that is. Now, the Bible tells us very clearly in Isaiah 40 that hast thou not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not, neither is weary. It was not because God was tired, that his muscles were a little sore, that he just, you know, he absorbed all of his creative power, and so now he just needed to rejuvenate a little bit more. So why would God rest on the seventh day? Well, I would submit to you that the reason he rested was to be an example for us, was to be an example for creation for us to see that you go for six days and then you don't for one day. Six days go, one day no. God early on, I mean about as early as you can get here in creation at the beginning of time, God gives us this, this idea of a Sabbath and it's rooted in creation. And because it's rooted in creation, what this should do for us is it should elevate our attention to it and it should elevate our consideration of it. It should help us to understand, first and foremost, that the Sabbath was not just this Old Testament law that was for the Jewish people and, and the law is done away with, it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and that there's no application for us any longer. You find that it's rooted in creation, but beyond creation, you find that there's covenant rest, and this does transfer to Moses, to the Jewish people, and it finds its way into the covenant. If you were to read Exodus 20, where we would find the Decalogue, or what we would call the Ten Commandments, you'll find that one of those is in regards to the Sabbath day. And this is what Exodus 20 says. And pay attention to this because it's more than just, hey, you should have a Sabbath day. There's, a, there's a, some valid instruction here that God gives the Jewish people with the covenant. He says this, Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But on the seventh day, that's the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, in it thou shalt not do any work, nor thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that's within thy gate. So nobody do any work on the seventh day. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, all that in there is. He rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and he hallowed it. Now do you see what just happened? God just included in the Old Testament law a Sabbath day and a day of rest, but he did so on the principle that they were already, they already knew this and this was already rooted in their mind or in their hearts through creation. He, he says, remember the Sabbath day. Does that mean from this point forward, remember to do this? Really, I think that the text indicates that it's saying, remember what you already know. Remember what you've already observed. And that's why two verses later he can say in creation. You know that God created in seventh. So what, what God is doing here is he's not giving them a new law. There are many of the laws that he gave that were brand new, that were kind of news flashes to them that, oh, we can't eat that or we shouldn't do this or this is how we should treat this. But this was one that God says, no, this isn't, this isn't new. I'm telling you to observe this, and, I, and I'm giving you kind of some, I'm handcuffing you to this, so to speak. But this has already been in existence, and God wanted to make sure they knew this was rooted in creation. So this was this, the Sabbath was designed to be a gift to the Jews. It was designed to be a gift really to mankind. It was designed to be something for health and benefit, not drudgery. This is why Jesus can say in Mark chapter number 2 that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So what is, what is Jesus saying there? Jesus is saying this was made to benefit you. This was made to benefit man. This was not just a rule that I put out there and said, hey, man, you have to observe, you have to abide by the rule. So this was designed to be for health and benefit. But the Jews, by the time, especially you read the New Testament, 
the Jews had completely distorted and made the Sabbath so complex that it, it wasn't helpful. It wasn't restful. It was drudgery for people. What the Jews did is they took the, the command in Exodus 20, the Sabbath. It's, if you read it in Hebrew, there's 39 Hebrew words. So they decided that they were going to make 39 different laws, one for every word of the Sabbath command. We're going to make 39 laws on, on ways that you can break the Sabbath. Now, that would have been tough, I guess. But then they decided that they were going to take each of those 39 laws and they were going to give a sub-39 laws for each of the 39. So 39 times 39 means that you have 1,521 different ways that you could break the Sabbath. This is when you get to Jesus. This is why there's so much friction on the Sabbath with Jesus and the Pharisees because they're trying to hold him to 1,521 different ways to break the Sabbath that the Bible never gave. For example, if you had a, a tack in your shoe or your sandal, you should take that out before Friday at 6 p.m. Because if you have, carry it on Friday at 6 p.m. or Saturday at 2 a.m., you're carrying a burden. You can't, you can't carry a burden on the Sabbath. If your dog has fleas, you better kill them all before the Sabbath rolls around. Because if you kill a flea on the Sabbath, you're hunting. That's not, that's not allowed. You can swallow vinegar on the Sabbath, but you can't, you can't put it in your mouth and kind of swish it around as if it was mouthwash because that, for a toothache or something, that's healing on the Sabbath. Can't do that. The Jews had taken this, it was designed to be a gift for their blessing, for their benefit, a day of rest that God had given them, and they had made it so complex and so crazy that it, it wasn't helpful it was burdensome. It was, it was toil. It was work to try to observe this. And, and this is why there's so much friction with Jesus. That they're constantly telling, you can't pick corn on the Sabbath. You can't heal that guy on the Sabbath. You can't do that on the Sabbath. And Jesus, in essence, really says, look, I'm, I'm son of man. I'm Lord of the Sabbath, so I'll do whatever I want, which is a, a really, it's a soft claim to deity right there. But Jesus, I'll do what I want, but I'm not, a, I'm not abiding by your 1,521 different ways. This, this was something that, yes, is in creation, but it, was, it transfers to the covenant. And what this means is that there is a very valid practical principle for you and I in the Sabbath that we should pay attention to and we should observe. You say, I'm not convinced. That's Old Testament law that's in the covenant. I'm a New Testament Christian. I don't have to observe that stuff. It's, not, it's no longer valid to me. Okay, you don't have to observe the nitty-gritty of this, and we'll get to that in a moment, but the, the truth and the principle and the practicality of it is still very applicable to you and I. And th this goes for so many of, of the Old Testament laws. You take, you take the, the sanitary laws. There were a lot of things about quarantining lepers outside of the camp. There were a lot of things of wash your hands here, do this, purification, all those sorts of things. And, and they didn't understand all of the germs and all that was going into that, what the laws actually meant. And we don't, have to, uh, we don't have to treat a leper as they did in the Old Testament, but the principles of quarantine to keep germs away, the principles of washing your hands before you eat a meal, that's still really valid and practical and, and just good common sense for us today. The dietary laws, the Bible's clear. We don't have to observe all of these dietary laws. We can eat whatever we want. The New Testament is clear on that. But if you look at the dietary laws, they're still very practical and very helpful. Don't eat that which is unclean, eat that which is clean. What is that basically, if you were to put that in a nutshell, those laws, if you extrapolate them, were don't eat the scavengers, don't eat the bottom feeders. Don't eat the things that are eating the dead stuff. That's not going to be for your health. Now, can we, can we technically eat shrimp today? Sure, we can. It's a bottom feeder, but we can technically eat it. But is there, is there 
some sense and some, some wisdom to observing some of those things and looking, you know what, I don't want to eat a vulture. Anyone eating a vulture lately? Who's scavenging? No, that's, that's not, that's not going to be for your health. So there's still practicality, there's still common sense that's inside of these laws, especially if it's rooted all the way back in creation that God gives to mankind in general. So what this means for you and I, just in a very practical sense of the Sabbath, is that you and I, we're not designed for perpetual motion. We are designed physiologically by God with the intention of expending and replenishing of working hard, resting much, of giving out, then taking in. Now, do I wish that we weren't designed this way and that we just had batteries we could plug ourselves in and keep on moving and that we didn't have to sleep for roughly eight hours a night and that we didn't need a down date? Frankly, if if I had to create myself, I probably would make myself a robot that didn't need that and I could just be more productive, but that's not how we're made. We're made physiologically, biologically by God with this intention to rest. Now, for many of us, this would hit us right in between the eyes because we live in a 21st century American culture where the pressures and the pace of life are astounding. And if you've ever visited a third world country, you know this to be true. One of the major impressions it will make on your mind is that their pace of life is so much slower that they're not constantly going, 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 running, 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 trying to, trying to push it as far as they can. You say, I don't push it as far as I can. Okay, let me ask you this. Last week, two weeks ago, when your gaslight came on your car, you had one of two thoughts. Thought number one, I better find a gas station ASAP. Thought number two, hmm, I wonder how far I can go before I run out of gas. Now, the vast majority of us in this room thought thought number two. We thought, you know what, that gaslight came on, and I'm, I'm just about to pass a gas station, but I bet that I could just keep on going on this tank of gas. And then you go and go and go, and eventually you look down at your dashboard, and it says zero miles till empty. And you think, it said that for 10 miles now. I should probably get gas, but, you know, there's, there's a wind at my back. It's a mostly downhill slope home. I bet that I could just put it in neutral, RPMs at 1,000, save some gas. I bet you I could make it home, give my wife the keys, and let her put gas in the tank, right? Just kidding. Don't do that. That's, that's a bad move. But we push it as, as, far, as far as we can, don't we? And this starts early. I have a three-year-old right now that when I try to put him to bed, he, well, you know what he says to me just about every single night? I'm not tired. Now, he's as cranky as all get out, and it's been 30 minutes, and we've been thinking, it's time for bed, man. You're just, you're about to have a meltdown. You just need to, you just need to get down for a little bit. This is not good. But I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm not, Elena's bed, he's out like that. Why early on? It's already kind of programmed into this little kid, and and it was programmed into you, that you want to push the envelope. You want to go as, as far as you can. You want to live life to the fullest. You don't want to miss out on something. You want to You want to try to push and push and push and push. But unfortunately for us, our bodies actually come with a governor. We don't like to drive go-karts or vehicles that have a governor on them, but your body came pre-programmed from God with a governor on it that you need roughly eight or so hours of sleep a night. Maybe you need a little less, maybe you need a little more, but you need that every day. You need a six-to-one ratio of working to replenish. 
You need to work and expend and toil for six days, and you need to try to rest for one. Centuries ago, France actually tried to uh, change this, and they tried to go to a 10-day work week. You know what happened? Everything started to break down. They, as, as humans, their, their mules and their animals, everything started to break down. It didn't work. And they found out that this was, this was more than just kind of, oh, we adopted and kind of came up with a seven-day work week where we take one day off. They found out that this is actually how we were created. This is how we were intended. This was from God from the beginning, that, that you work and you go for six, but you take one off. So what this means really practically is that perhaps there are some issues in your life or in your family that are maybe rooted just in the principle of Sabbath rest. It may be that your irritability and your anger and your stress level is because you never, you never take a break. You're just running, 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 going, going, going. There's no downtime, and that's not good for you. It could be that your 13-year-old isn't a rebellious little hellion. It may be that you filled their schedule from beginning to end for, for seven days a week, and they're not meant to run at that pace for seven days, and they just need a break and they need some rest, especially if they're, if they're going through a lot of physiological life change stuff that's happening inside of them. They need some downtime. This, this is a principle for us that if we neglect, it will be to your own detriment physiologically. And this, this idea of a Sabbath is something that is still valid today. It's still a valid principle for you to have some time in a given week where you get some rest, where you get some replenishment, where you kick your feet up a little bit, where you have some downtime. Now, this is not, it's not about exchanging busyness for busy lists, okay? This is not about you just having a constant vacation in a state of utopia in your life. The Bible is clear that we are to work hard by the sweat of our brow, that we are not to be lazy, that we are not to, you know, as a slothful man uh, turns on his bed, so does the door on the hinges. That's not supposed to be us. We're supposed to work hard for things that matter, but then we're supposed to detach a little bit and, and take some downtime. It's about being a good kind of busy where you have baked into your schedule and your life and your family some time to detach to spend your energy on things that matter, but then to rest as God intended it to. So let me tell you how I would observe this day if you were to have a Christian Sabbath just from the principle of resting, what this day would look like and some recommendations for you based on that. So how would you have a, a Christian Sabbath? It, it should be at least three things. So I would say first and probably foremost, make it a holy day. Make it a day with spiritual renewal. So this is what Exodus says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. There should be inside of a Sabbath, inside of a day that you are getting some rest, there should be some spiritual renewal. What that means is you should have some extra time and space for uh, a little bit of extra Bible intake. You should have a little bit of extra time for some prayer. Maybe you have family devotions to, to a higher degree that day. Now, this, this is not, the Sabbath is not a green light to not come to church because, hey, I feel like I should kick my feet up and I should rest a little bit and so I don't do anything spiritually. Really, quite the opposite is true. The Sabbath is designed to include some spiritual renewal, some holiness. So this means most of you, you're able to make your Sabbath just by nature of your, of your schedule. You're able to make it on Sunday. Now, for me personally as a pastor, my Sabbath is not on Sunday. I enjoy Sundays. I worship the Lord. I have a great time. But I get to the end of Sunday, and I'll tell you the truth, I'm tired. 
I'm, I'm generally spent by the time I get to Sunday night. For me, Thursday is, is my Sabbath. Thursday is my day to replenish in a spiritual way, and we'll get to a couple other ways in a moment, but it's my day to have some downtime. But for most of you, Sunday can be your day where there's downtime, but there should be a spiritual focus. It should be a timeout, but God should be in sharp focus during that timeout. So I would say this just from a really practical perspective. I would make church attendance the highest priority on a Sabbath day. I would, if you're observing kind of a, a Christian Sabbath and you're taking a, a down day, and for most of you that's Sunday, then make church attendance a priority. What's more important, work on Monday or worship on Sunday? You say, that sounds like a trick question. It's not a trick question, but it's a revealing question, isn't it? Try, try calling your boss, you know, next week. Oh, I have a little bit of family in town. I have some company. I just don't feel like coming to work tomorrow. See how it goes. Try, I commend you for being here. Certainly there, there's a lot of people that looked and said it's negative seven. I'm not getting out. And, and there'd be some in our church that, that that was good for them. They're, you know, in their 70s. The car is outside. There's snow on it. There's, there's no one to help. And there were some that probably that was, a, that was a smart move. But inevitably, there are some this morning that said, you know what? I just, yeah, it's cold. I don't feel like going. Can you do that with, with your employer? Can you, can you call your boss and say, you know, I was just a little tired today. I didn't feel like getting out of bed. I just, I just don't think I'm going to come in today. That doesn't work, does it? So, so what's more important, worship on Sunday or work on Monday? Can, can I tell you just a brutally honest truth? If you, if, brace yourself. If you prioritize your work on Monday more than your worship on Sunday, you are doing a disservice not just to yourself but to those around you. If, if, if that's your mode of operation, eventually your kids are going to pick up on that and they're going to think that work is essential but church is negotiable. And they're going to begin to prioritize things in a way that they should not because you have. So when it comes to a Sabbath, how would you observe a, a Christian Sabbath? Well, first and foremost, it should be a day of spiritual renewal. It should be a day where you worship, where your Bible intake is, is in a more significant way, where you have some time with the Lord and Lord willing around his church. But beyond that, I would say this, I would make it a happy day. There, there should be some emotional renewal. So there should be some time with the kids. There should be some space to maybe read. There should be some, have some people over. Let's have some conversation. Let's laugh a little bit. Let's listen to some music. Let's have some emotional renewal on this day. You know why we have church on Sundays and why church, you know, all over the world through the centuries has been on Sundays? It's because the Bible tells us to. The Bible actually never says to have church on Sunday. It actually says the opposite. It says that it doesn't really matter what day you have it on. But there are a couple of verses that, that in Corinthians that say that they did take up an offering on the first day of the week. And there's, there's one other verse that says that at least one occasion, the, uh, the disciples got together and Paul preached to them till midnight uh, on, on the first day of the week on Sunday. But those are the only two verses you have. There's no command to have it on Sunday. If you look biblically and historically on why the church has had church on Sunday, it's because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. It was meant to be a gathering to re-celebrate and to remember and to rejoice in, to have joy in. Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, so let's talk about that again. Let's have Jesus in focus again. Really, the intention behind Sunday was happiness, was joy, was exuberance, was a celebration that Jesus rose from the dead. So make your day a day of spiritual renewal. Make your day a day of emotional renewal. But beyond that, make it a healthy day. Make, have some physical renewal there. 
You know what? Take a nap today. I recommend it. Don't feel guilty about it. Get ample sleep the night before and and get some rest. Recharge a little bit. Have maybe some time for some exercise or or a family walk or whatever the case may be. Get some physical renewal on a day. It's important for you. In our culture, restlessness is like this badge of honor that people wear around. I, you know, people come to where I stayed up so late. I've been working so hard. I've been, I haven't had a day off in a month. Like, like it's a sense of, of pride and accomplishment. Like pat me on the back because, uh, because I've been working so hard and I haven't had any downtime. That's, that is, that's not smart. Have a day where you have some physical renewal. Don't live life as a paragraph with no spaces. If you live life that way, eventually it will, it will catch up to you and it will not help you physically. It will hurt you physically. So be bold enough to, to have a day away for your own physical self or your family where you turn off the cell phone. Do it. I dare you. Just take your, there's a power button there. Just turn it off completely. Disconnect from email, whatever, whatever it is that, that hampers you and, and pulls you back into the, the vortex of the pace of life and the pressures and work and all that's swirling around you. Disconnect a bit and have some time where you just, where you enjoy some physical rest. To still a, a line from Ben Patterson, he said, seven days without a Sabbath makes one week. And he spelled it W-E-A-K. And he's right. And the Bible says that much. But there is, there's a very valid principle of rest for us, of rejuvenation for us, of relaxation for us on a day a week that's rooted in creation but continued in the covenant. But beyond that, where this gets beautiful, at least to me, is that the Sabbath doesn't stop there. It continues into Christ's rest. And I want you to see Colossians chapter number 2. We read this at the beginning, but this is really from a, from a Christian perspective where this just begins to blossom and mature. Colossians 2 says this, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. So what's Paul doing here? Paul is writing to Colossians, understanding there's a lot of Jewish flavor still floating around the church, and he's telling them, People that are trying to handcuff you to the dietary laws of the Old Testament, people that are trying to handcuff you to, you know, Friday at 6 to Saturday at 6 that you have to do this stuff, don't let them judge you in that. This, Romans 14, other places in the Bible, the Bible is explicit. That that, that nitty-gritty of the law does not apply to us any longer. That, that there is no judgment anymore. So that would mean that church could really be on any day. There's some churches that have church on Saturday night. That's not my preference, but that's okay if people do that biblically because there's you, you can't be judged in light of that spiritual day. It's possible to be a Christian and not observe Christmas. You say, oh, that, that's crazy. You, that's possible. You don't have to observe that day in order to be a Christian. There's, there's no Friday at 6 to Saturday at 6 anymore. This is what Paul is saying. Don't let any man judge you in those things. Then he mentions Sabbath days, and he says this in verse 17. A short verse, but he says, Those are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So what Paul says is that the Sabbath was a shadow of the substance, and that body, that substance is Jesus. That that Sabbath was meant to typify, that Sabbath was meant to give us kind of a, a roundabout figure of what rest was going to look like in Jesus. What this is saying, it's saying more than this, but part of what this is saying is that you find ultimate rest in Jesus Christ. 
What this is saying is that the rest of the Sabbath blossoms to a much more mature view when you find Jesus. You say, how does that apply? How does Jesus give me, give me rest? Well, there's a lot of ways. In salvation, don't you find rest in Jesus? This is why Jesus can say in Matthew 11, come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is the Bible teaching us? It's teaching us that the Sabbath is matured in the rest that's in Christ, and it's there that you can find ultimate rest, rest for your soul. In my own personal life, I've shared this a time or two before, I experienced this rest for my soul and even for my body when I was saved. As, as a 10-year-old middle school church kid boy, I knew for a period of months that I was not saved, that if I was to die, I would not go to heaven, that my sins were not forgiven. I knew it was a problem. The Holy Spirit was convicting me of it. And the number one side effect I had beyond just mental guilt and anguish was that I couldn't sleep. I would lay as, as a 10-year-old. I would lay on my bed alone with my thoughts and be petrified of what's going to happen if I don't wake up from my sleep. And that soul, that sin, that lack of salvation had manifested itself in a lack of rest internally and externally in a physical way. And when I, when I finally submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and I was saved on just a, a Sunday night, I had raised my hand a million times during an invitation. Yeah, I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. But I knew I wasn't. I knew I was lying. And I finally raised my hand and said, you know what, I'm not saved. And that night came forward, dealt with, I actually talked with my dad and was saved, found forgiveness of my sins, found peace with God. I slept better that night than I had in a long time. I found what in salvation? I found rest for my soul. I found that the Sabbath rest was just a shadow of the rest that you find in Jesus. But even beyond your salvation, when you find the sovereignty of Jesus, you find rest. If Jesus is Lord, not just, not just your saviors and he gave you a, a get out of hell free card, but if Jesus is your Lord and he's sovereign and he's over your life and he's in control and you're trusting in him with all of your heart, then you don't have to worry about everything. You don't have to live in a constant state of anxiety and perplexion. You don't have to figure it all out. It's not all on your shoulders. You don't have to run yourself into the ground 24-7. Because if you find that Jesus is sovereign and that you can trust him and that you can put him in control, you can give him the steering wheel to your life, then you'll find what rest for your souls. And if Jesus is sovereign, then there's no, there's no need to run around 24-7. If Jesus is in control, there's no need to stay up all night and worry. If Jesus is Lord, then everything's not on your shoulders. It's on his shoulders, and you can cast your care upon him. What you can find in the sovereignty of Christ is knowing that I can find rest. I can find peace. I can have this, I can have a sigh. I, I can put my head on the pillow and beyond a clear conscience, I can have peace. What you find in Jesus is that you can find rest through your sin. 
This doesn't, doesn't David tell us this in, in Psalm 23? The Lord's my shepherd, and he restores my soul. What does David tell us in Psalm 41? That, that the bed, he laid on the bed of his languishing. What David is saying is that the place that should have been rest, my bed, because of my sin, because of my guilt, I languished, and the place of rest was no longer a place of, of rest for me. I was, I was restless. Ever been there? I have. Where you know you're wrong. You know you need to lay down your sin. You know that you need to confess. And it nags at you. And it weighs on you. And you try to cover that sin, but you don't prosper. You're worried about, well, my spouse find out? Will my kids find out? Will I be discovered? Will my boss know that that deal went sideways? Well, you worry and it weighs and it takes a toil on you in an internal way, in an emotional way, in a spiritual way, but also in a physical way. There's so many studies that have been done for people that go to the doctor and just about any study you look at will, will estimate that it, half or more of the people that go to the doctor that somewhere in, in their causes there's a psychosomatic illness. Psycho, psyche meaning mind, soma meaning body. That, that something in the mind, something in the worry has created a physical issue inside of them. It, it's not a secret that worry produces an ulcer. That, that it constricts your blood vessels and that it can give you, you know, panic attacks. That, that's not a secret. What, what is happening? What is the Bible telling us that the Sabbath was a shadow and that sh the substance of that shadow fully realized that substance is Jesus, that the true rest, the true relaxation, the true respite from life that you need is found in Jesus. Amen. That through, through salvation, through his sovereignty, through laying down your sin and letting him be Lord, this is what, I'll, I'll give you a couple verses that are on your, your lesson. First Peter 2. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which do what? They war against the soul. This is what 2 Peter says. Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. What, what's the Bible saying? The Bible's saying that fleshly lust, your besetting sins, those can war against your soul. The Bible is saying that Lot was a man who was a righteous man, but he surrounded himself with iniquity, and that vexed his righteous soul. How do you find freedom from that? How do you, if you live in a culture that it, it's pretty obvious that we're degrading a bit spiritually, morally, how do you go to work and be around all of those people that are really not for Christ, that are influencing you in negative ways, to put it as the Bible put it, it vexes your righteous soul. It wars against your soul. How do you, how do you win that war? How do you find rest from that? How, how, how are you going to be surrounded by unrighteousness and by unlawful deeds and by people who are antithetical to Scripture? How are you going to surround yourself and live in a culture there, but at the same time have peace and rest inside that's only in Jesus? It's only found in Him. It's only the rest from your sin is only found by going to Jesus and allowing Him to work through you and in you. That, that's it. And what the Bible is saying is the Sabbath, it, it wasn't, 
the, the nitty-gritty of the law was discontinued from 6 to 6, from Friday to Saturday. That was continued, but really the Sabbath was materialized. The Sabbath is, is in bloom. The Sabbath, the rest that you need, is found in Christ. So understand, for you as a Christian, that there is there's a lot of validity to the Sabbath. That that's meant to point you. You taking a day and taking a breath, having, having a little bit of a vacation, relaxing a little bit. It feels good, does it not? And don't feel guilty about that. Now, if, if you're lazy, feel guilty about that. But, but if you're working hard for six and taking a day off and there's some spiritual and emotional and physical renewal, that feels good, does it not? But that's meant, when it's all said and done, to point you to the rest that is much deeper and is much fuller in Jesus Christ. It's meant to point you to Jesus and help you to see that what your soul really needs is to take the yoke of Jesus and find that his burden is light and there's a rest for your souls. I would ask you these questions this morning. Are you laboring to save yourself from your sin? Maybe, maybe this is your first time ever in church. Maybe you've been in church all your life. I don't know. I was in church a long time. Knew a lot of the Bible, prayed a lot. But I was trying to save myself, and I, and I was not trusting and believing on Jesus. And can I tell you, that's exhausting, and it's impossible. And if you're trying to save yourself from your own sin and find forgiveness through your merit or your penance or you making up for the wrong that you've done, you can't find rest in Jesus. Are the waters less than calm on the inside? If you're honest and you just had some space to stop and to think, would you have to confess that there's a, there's a lack of peace? There's inside of me this, it feels like a storm. I can't find real rest in a physical way when I lay my head on, on the pillow at night, but, but just that worry and anxiety and the pressure of life is crushing you. Surrender control to Jesus. Cast all your care upon him and find rest for your soul. Are you struggling with sin? Are you struggling with that same addiction that keeps coming up? It feels like you're, you're, you know, you're just cutting the weeds, it, it keeps growing back, growing back, growing back. The, the only way that you can find rest for what's vexing your soul, the only way that you can pull down that stronghold, the only way that you can find peace with that is through Jesus. So go to him. Understand that all this is meant to point to him. It's meant to help you see that what you need for your life, for your rest. Yes, you need to observe just practical principles of, of taking a day off and having some physical re renewal for sure. But beyond that, what you need and what the Sabbath is meant to point you to is rest for your soul that's only found in the substance in the body, which is Christ, which is Jesus.